Welcome back to Goonies World. My name is Goonie, also known as Colin, and I am joined, as always, by Meanie, also known as Ryan. Also known as Pac tonight. And Johnny Farrow, also known as Sean. Hello, and I'm also running the game tonight, so I guess that makes me the Maze Master. (laughs) And our returning guest, now with crystal clear audio... Lunicorn, also known as Lynn. Woot woot! Hello! And tonight I will be playing the mesmerizing Madame Miriam Mordant. Yes, that's right. And uh, uh, I should also point out that today is Lynn's birthday. So It is my birthday! We'd sing your ha- the happy birthday song, but then we'd have to pay royalties and, and all that. <laughs> and uh, as they once said on... Uh, the three amigos. Lynn is turning uh, uh, 43 today. Yay for Lynn. Yeah, that's it. That's I'm a Generation Xer, and that is the only information that you will have about my age. <laughs> I was born sometime between 65 and 1980-something. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and have a quick recap before we jump in. Uh, our heroes, Puck the Fingersmith and Rufus Hambone, the bounty hunter, and the mesmerizing Madame Miriam Mordant left the village of Varna to seek their fortunes in the city of Illyria. And on the way, they rescued the baby, Poppy, from the blind cannibalistic Grimlocks and promised her dying father they would take her to Illyria to live with her aunt and uncle, Clovis and Margot Midnighter, who are clockmakers and said to be quite well off. And on the road, they turned down an offer to sell the baby to a traveling merchant, tangled with face-eating raccoons, and thwarted the giant Ignatius. And taking refuge in the goblin caves, our heroes decided to take a shortcut to Illyria on the Underdark Road. And on this subterranean highway, they met the Norker and ate beans that caused rocket-like flatulence with the invisible hobo and tangled with the dire geesemen, and then rode mushroom-topped boats down an underground river and emerged beneath what the goblins call the upside-down city, which is really just the underside of all the basements and sublevels and sewer cisterns of Illyria. And they entered Illyria through the undergate and met two of the Illyrian guard at the base of some sunlight-flooded stairs that led up into the city. And that's where we'll begin. I'll remind you, the guards are in smoked blue chainmail, and they wear these sloped helmets that have a vaguely penile appearance. And they say, Welcome to Illyria. I assume you have the gate tax of one gold zloty. Now, you guys aren't from here except for Pock, and zloty is like a gold coin is what they use around here. So, do you, do you, have, the, you do have the gate tax, yes? One of them's got his hand out. Um, do you take... Uh, like substitute currency, or we, we are you willing to trade? Trade? No, no. I could tell you your fortune. Nope, I already know. I don't want to know. I don't want to. I don't want to know too much about my future. I could risk a rupture in a space-time continuum. I, I'm not willing to do that. No, no. I'm afraid if you don't have a zloty, then you'll only get a one-day pass. And he gestures to the other guard. And, he brings out three little red discs, little wooden discs painted red on a string. Put those around your neck. That's a one-day pass. 
And you must wear it at all times. And we change the color every day, so no funny business. All right? And if you're caught here after, you know, after sundown with, uh, with that red tag, you're going to have to be taken out. So if I, do, I do my best to uh, earn one gold zloty by the end of the day. And then you can get a three-day pass if you pay the gate tax. If you want to stay longer than three days, you'll have to go to the Spiral Palace and apply for residency there. So he gives you guys each your, your red disc to hang around your neck. I assume the puck doesn't have any kind of, uh, you know, like citizenship card or, uh, you know, anything since he's well, even technically if he, from here. Yeah, even if he did, it would be under, you know, a name that he might not want recognized, seeing as you are wanted. Seeing as you boys is wanted, you might not want to go flashing around your citizenship card. But yeah, I imagine somewhere you probably got like the right colored disc for permanent citizenship. But uh, anyone else will have to go to the Spiral Palace and apply for residency. Now I know there's a couple of places you guys probably want to go, but uh, to get into the city itself, you'll just have to go up those sun-flooded stairs into the city of Illyria. You're pleased to see that it's morning. You must have been traveling throughout most of the evening. And once you get out into the city proper, you get a good view of it. Two of you for the first time. Three of you, really, since we still have Poppy the baby. There are magnificent columns of marble kind of shot through with veins of pink and purple that dominate the architecture. But these are mostly the older buildings. The other buildings are just a patchwork of building styles from all over the region. Gives it a real polyglot, random sort of feel. Illyria is built upon six hills, so the city appears to dip and rise again no matter which direction you look in. There are very few flat expanses or broad vistas. There are some wide boulevards with manicured trees that run in between the hills, but the rest of the streets are more like mazy alleyways. You realize you'd soon be hopelessly lost if Puck weren't with you, as he spent quite a bit of time here. And as you walk along, you uh, get out into the first street. And you can there's a already a crowd here. There are animals running around. There are dogs and chickens and people all moving around the streets together. Uh, but up ahead, you see uh, coming around the bend. There are several very large, sweaty men pulling this large cage on wheels. And inside the cage is a most exotic creature. It's a goopy-looking mass that's dotted with beady little eyes and has several large, gaping mouths full of long, sharp teeth. The men pulling it are shouting at people. They're, make way! Out of the way! Out of the way! And people are having to get out of the way fairly quickly. But right around the corner, there's a very old woman. She's a street vendor. She's uh, got a stall. She's selling pomegranates. And whether she's hard of hearing or just slow, it's, it's obvious that she's not going to be able to get out of the way in time. And they don't see her because the wheels are so big on this big cage. It's obvious she's going to be crushed if someone doesn't do something. Does anyone want to rush in and, and grab this old lady and get her out of the way? Or would you like to watch an old lady get crushed? <laughs> um, well, uh, I don't think I have that type of character uh so some of my characters probably would enjoy that but uh yeah, yeah. this character uh, has some 
morals. I think he would. Uh, he doesn't have the fastest uh, reflexes, but early he's not the fastest in the party, anyways. But right. he would. If no one else, yeah, he would definitely like uh, try to maybe you know rush in there and uh, almost like throw her out of the way. <laughs> okay, might leave himself you know in the path, but well, we'll find out. You yeah. know, and you know, like you said, you're not the swiftest card in this deck, but uh, yeah, you got about three or four seconds. You don't have time to think about it too much. You could rush over and grab her out of the way because. Most other people are scattering out of the way in horror and disgust at their weird creature inside the cage. Also, just because it's a great big cage rolling down the road. And, yeah, you'll have to rush in there. Make a dexterity roll to whisk the old lady out of danger before the cart crushes her and her pomegranate stall. Of course, you need a ten, as usual. Yeah, I only got a six. Oh, no. Well, you rush in and you try to try to grab the old lady, oh, but uh, you realize you're going to get crushed, too. You just weren't quite fast enough, so you back away at the last minute. Does anyone else want to take in this last millisecond and see if they can help the old lady? So I kind of imagined that Puck, you know, coming up back into the city, you know, is, 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 looking, is you know, looking around for anyone. He's... he's He's probably used to this kind of scene, and he's 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 been kind of looking around to make sure that nobody recognizes him, that nobody looks suspicious. Um, but I think if you know, um, if it looks like uh, Rufus is about to, well, first of all, Rufus just sh- shouted, so I think that would have caught his attention. Sure, sure. Um, and also, if it looks like Rufus is going to either get crushed or was trying to help this person who was going to get crushed, then, then yeah, I think Puck would uh, jump at that. Yeah, and Puck, you feel pretty confident. No one's staring at you funny. You've really gone to a great deal of trouble to disguise your looks, you know, and presumably are wearing some kind of glove or whatever, you know, to hide the fact that you've you've only got nine fingers. But, yeah, and, and uh, Rufus isn't going to get crushed. It's one of those things where he run in and he realized if he goes, you know, too much further, he will. He just didn't get in at the right angle. But you are swifter, so you got about two seconds to try to do something, Puck. Well, let's see what happens. Let's make that dexterity roll. <laughs> because, of course, it did. I'm sorry, Katie. And once again, our dice are on the floor. As we all know, Ryan likes to hurl his dice at great speeds, and he also has a very tiny table. And a cat that sits on his lap that blocks his access to the <laughs> floor, which is where the dice are. Right. And the cat, you know, gets all annoyed that I have to, like, get up. Yeah. Anyway, um, the cat did hop off my lap, and I did pick up the die, uh, which was a six, and the other one was a three, which means that I got a nine plus three for dex, I'm assuming. Yeah. So that will yeah. be a 12. All right. Well, you grab the old lady and whisk her out of the way. She goes, oh! Now, you're not able to save the cart because the second you get her out of the way... The cage like rolls up over her cart, but it's not quite heavy to crush the cart completely. So the the whole cage on that front right wheel just tilts upward at a very dangerous angle. The people give a shout of uh, consternation. The guys who are the sweaty guys who are pulling are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" They're trying to stabilize it with the ropes, but this this thing that's inside the cage, this big goopy mouthed thing. Uh, 
suddenly hurls itself against that side of the cage, and the whole cage vehicle tops over. And the cage just splits apart at the seams. It doesn't, like, break, but, you know, like, it falls down in, like, you know, all the separate panels of the cube it was made of and shatter, when it's shatter, but, you know, falls apart. And this creature, we'll call it the Goopy Mouther, for lack of a better word, uh, it pops right out, right out of the street, or onto the street, and the crowd just surges back in a panic. They're trying to get out of the way. Somebody call the guards, cries one of the guys who's pulling the cage. No, somebody do something. One of them runs up to you, Rufus, and grabs you by their lapels. Goes, for the love of God, do something. You're heroes, aren't you? Do something. What the hell is that thing? It's a goopy mouther. My master, Pompous Rex, is bringing it back to his private zoo. Please, please, please help us. Help us get it back into the cage. Or just screw the cage. Kill it, says another bystander. And we'll, uh, Of course, the cage is not even together. So we're going to have to go ahead and roll initiative. And I hate to tell you this, but the goopy mouther just rolled a six. So unless you can roll a six and tie, because players win ties, then the goopy mouther... We'll go first. And it's obviously zeroed in on you. You guys are the only ones who aren't running away from it right now, as far as I know. So which one of you guys would like to roll initiative? Uh, any volunteers? Well, yeah. I think you were th- kind of right there. Maybe you should Yeah, maybe roll. you should. Cause, and don't forget, it will be your fault entirely yeah. if you don't roll the dice right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll roll, I, I will roll the one that had just come up a six because the odds of it coming up a six again are very high, clearly. Obviously. It's six. been charged. Oh, I rolled a one. <laughs> oh, I one. Well, the goopy mouther just oozes up towards you, and, and it doesn't even have, like, a solid form, right? It's picture like a big goopy mass with a bunch of eyeballs, and it's got three great big mouths with these huge razor-sharp teeth. And unfortunately for you guys, because of its... Uh, semi-fluid nature and it's many it can make up to three attacks per round with these mouths and we're just going to assume you guys are all more or less close enough it tries to take a big bite of puck and it rolls a nine i don't know what pucks i never remember you guys ac is it like seven or eight or something puck uh pucks armor is an eight eight okay oh. well you take what oh yeah no okay just- puck you take one point of damage from the hideous teeth and Rufus, uh, it tries to bite you as well, and it gets an eight, but I'll assume your shield's still out. Yes. And so it's not able to actually do much damage, but it's like hot, disgusting breath, you know, just blows all in your face and just withers you. And if it withers your mutton chops, and the mutton chops that were so springy are now like damp with the wet air, wet, hot air that's been blown out of the goopy mouther. And. And hopefully, you know, you've swung little Poppy around in a more protected position, Miriam. It bites at you. It bites at you, and it rolls a seven. So we're going to hope that that does not, in fact, exceed your armor. It does not exceed my armor. It does not. So it makes contact, but it's not able to get a good purchase on you. And you guys may strike back. And Puck, what do you do? Well, Puck's just going to s- try to stab it with his dagger that's in his hand, I suppose. I think that's better. Uh, you know, about the best thing you can do. Ooh, that's going to be a 13. Okay, a 13 is excellent, excellent, because it has light protection. Which oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. 11. 11, bad. okay, 13. I did my dex bonus. 13 seemed a little high, but 
Uh, don't forget you did take the extra plus one when you leveled for an attack bonus, which right, I'm assuming right. you figured. So, you do get an 11, which uh, does four points of damage, four health to this thing. And it's a big cut. It screams out of all three mouths at once, and this just sends a shiver of fear through the people who are all rushing in the opposite direction, except for these these guys who were pulling it. They're, like, trying to get the pieces of the cage back together. They could clamp it on and snap it together. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, Rufus, what do you do? Well, safety first. I'm going to drink my uh, red medicine that was on my belt. Okay, and you do that, and you'll get a point of health back, a wise decision. And... Madam Miriam Mordant, what do you do? I will back up a couple of steps and attempt a shot with my sling. Okay. Whirling the sling around your head, you let go. And the rock, the slingstone sails into it, but I can see from the look on your face. Yeah, no, I rolled a four. Okay, and it just bounces off the weird rubbery hide of the terrible creature. And, uh,. About this time, a nobleman in a tall, pointy purple hat with matching pointy shoes. He's got a retinue of servants, and he comes running up the street. He says, don't kill it! It's a rare specimen for my collection. If you can lure it back into the cage when they get it together, I'll reward you. I'll reward you quite greatly. Meanwhile, his servants rush up and help the sweaty guys start trying to set the cage upright. They begin lashing it back together, you know, with strong ropes. You know, there'll at least be a temporary fix. If you could think of some strategy to get it back into the cage, maybe you can get a reward. But right now, it's more of a life and death situation. So I'm going to roll initiative again for this round. Things aren't much better. This time I got a five. And whose turn will it be? Me to again, be or anybody else want to roll wanna, something better than the one? Anyone else want to be at fault when you lose initiative? Well, you can blame me. Ah, uh, four. Four. Okay, well, unfortunately, the goopy mouther will go again. This time it takes to, uh, it slithers forward. It makes like a big pseudopod with one of those mouths at the end of it to take a bite of Miriam, but it only rolls a five. Another one of the mouths reaches out and tries to bite Rufus, but it only rolls a four. The final mouth reaches out to try to bite Puck, but it only rolls a six. So you guys are safe for this round. We're going to start again. We're going to flip the order this time. And Miriam, what do you do? you got this mouth hovering Slinging over Slinging it you. again. Slinging it again. Nope. nope. Well, oh, I forgot. I don't have to get a 10. Um, nope. Maybe. You don't have to get a 10. Just 7 is, is all wrote. you need. So you do. You did one point of damage to us. You guys have done 5 health to us so far. And every little bit helps. And again, it's, it's uh, armor is 7. It's considered to have light protection just because of the the rubbery nature of its hide. And actually, I forgot to give it its plus one attack bonus, but we'll just uh, remember that for the next round. And Rufus, what do you do? Now that you've had your medicine. Um, I'm going to try to uh, throw some rations into the cage. Okay, okay. That's not a terrible idea. Yeah, I don't think we'll make a roll for that. So you got your dried jerky and, and throw it into the cage. And, Go get uh, it. Go get it. Yeah, well, you're, this is kind of a, a combination of uh, your your 
personality, you know, and the force of your personality and your ability to communicate with it, but because there's some, at least dried meat involved, why don't you make a will roll, but do it with advantage because of the meat and the trickery. So you'd roll three d6, add your will bonus, if any, and see if you can't uh, trick that thing into going towards the cage, which they've mostly got together. They'll even got its shape together. It's an eight. But an not eight. Well, I'm afraid you need a ten, and so it's not tricked. It looks over there for a minute, but then turns back to the much tastier-looking you guys. And, Puck, what do you do? So, uh, yeah, Puck's just going to... I'm half tempted to try to push it in the, into the cage, but I think he's just going to try to stab it. But, oh my god. Yeah, but he misses completely. Okay, he misses completely, completely. Now, during this time, though, those guys have mostly got the cage together. Like I said, probably long enough to get it where it's going. And uh, don't kill it, whatever you do. Oh, don't forget, I'll reward you. But uh, it is another round, so I'm going to roll initiative for the goopy mouther. And this time I have a four. I'm just going down. Six, five, four. So it should be easier. And five. Hey, you guys have the initiative. So, Puck, what do you do? Um, having heard the second sort of... I mean, he heard both cries, but, but, but the recency of the most recent one requesting that we don't kill it um, registers with him. So he's going to try to push this thing <laughs> towards the cage. Okay. You do your best. Um, you go to push as hard as you can, and mostly it just, it's rubbery flesh. It's got a lot of give, right? So you're, like, pushing. So you have to push really, really hard. Make a strength test, not with advantage, to push it into the cage. The other guys have got the door open. They're trying to create, like, a funnel with their bodies. And some of them are waving their hand weapons around. Just a seven. Oh, well, you push as hard as you can, but, you know, you just can't budge the thing. And uh, Rufus, what do you do? Um, I'm going to try to kick it into the cage. Okay, okay. I think we'll also call this a uh, we'll also call this a strength roll. But because Puck was, is also kind of pushing on it, and we'll assume you got some leverage from the kick, uh, let's go ahead and call this one an advantage since you've got some help. Okay. You need a 10. Well, 13. Hey! Well, the thing staggers a little bit and uh, falls into the cage enough where all the other servants and the big sweaty guys could do the final bit of pushing, and they they slam the door to the cage closed, and they start wrapping their big heavy ropes all around the cage, you know, uh, just to keep it a little more stable and together. And the crowd just erupts and and cheers for all of you. And they kind of surge back forward. People are patting you guys on the back. And, oh, very well done. Jolly good. Very well done. Haven't had that much excitement in a long time. Oh, my pomegranates. Uh, Says the old lady as she looks over and all her pomegranates and her stall are smashed all over the ground. But that nobleman, he says, oh, fear not, madam. Fear not. I'll be happy to recompense you for the loss of your pomegranate stall and and you you oh he comes and gives you guys like a group hug I, I'm, I'm pompous rex I have a private zoo here and this goopy mouth will be the best feature of my collection 
You know, lesser heroes would have killed it. But you shall have a reward. And he gives each of you ten zlotties, the little gold coins. They got a picture of the Empress Lucy on them. How many? Ten? Ten each. Lucy is the Empress of this, of Illyria. And she's only like nine years old, but the real rulers are like a council of old dudes. From Narnia. Yeah, I actually named after Lucy, this kid that goes to my school that does my nails sometimes when I want them painted black. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Weirdos Club. So, uh, <clears throat> sorry, sir. I, 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 but what is it you want with this gooby mouse creature? Well, I, I know it's rather strange, Hobby, but I collect rare animals. At my, at my uh, manor, I have a private zoo, which is much more secure than this. And in fact, you're all invited. Not today, of course. I have a lot to do there. But you're all invited to come and see my zoo at any time. It's not for the public, only for very important people. But you will always be a friend of Pompous Rex. If you need any help in the future, don't forget to come call upon me. You can find me find me on the Street of the Nobles, of course. Largest house, <laughs> he says with some pride. Well, that sounds great, but I would like to advise you to uh, get a better method of, uh, you know, caging this creature. Something oh, more what? secure. When moving it, you're absolutely right, but if these streets were so damnably narrow, I've been petitioning the Empress Lucy for quite some time to widen the streets. Not everywhere, just between my house and all the places I want to go. You know, because I prefer, I hate to walk among the rabble. Uh, no offense, no offense at all. I mean, you're bad, you're some of the good ones, don't worry. Uh, but thank you, I enjoy your, enjoy your ten zlotties. Hope you spend them well, I hope they help in your adventures. They certainly and, uh, will help. Yes, what, what, what brings you to this city anyway? Well, originally, we came seeking our fortune here. But, uh, well, I mean, of course, that is still on our minds. But we, uh, we have a baby to return to her family. Oh, oh, very noble, very noble indeed. Well, don't let me hold you up any longer. I hope you know how to get there. We'll say, uh... But, uh, what, what, what line of work is her family in? They're clockmakers. Ah, well, of course, you'll want to go to the Street of the Clockmakers. And it's just around, uh, first you go by the Cardwellian Hill and past the Street of the Alchemists. And then go past the Street of the Furriers to the Street of the Butchers. Very well? Uh, yep, uh, thanks a lot. Yes, thank you. Another person comes up and hands Puck a bottle of, uh, uh, not a bottle, but like a skin of wine. It's thirsty work. Enjoy this, friends. Oh, why, thanks. I'm uh, really starting to like this place. You can, I mean, you know, five minutes in and we're already heroes and already got ten coins. We're doing pretty good so far. Yes, it's a wonderful city. Let's have a song, fellas. And some of the street people start singing, Illyria, Illyria, it's quite Clearia. We love Illyria. Ah, just made that up. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you guys do, with Puck's help, uh, figure out the way you're going. Continue to w- walk through the windy streets around all the chickens and the dogs and the people. 
And you passed the street of the alchemists. Did you guys have any desire to stop by the alchemists, find an apothecary or some such thing? I do believe we do. Okay. Yeah. Well, at the uh, at the sign of the burning lamp, which is obviously it's like an alchemy symbol, and you can push your way into that shop. Oh, hello there! Couldn't I? The word's been coming up the street. Are you? I could tell by the weird. Goop and your drooping, your drooping mutton chops," says the alchemist behind uh, the counter. "I gotta do something about that." Are you? Well, I happen to have some fancy Sam's mustache wax. It could Ooh. work very well on I mutton love chops. Fancy Sam's, thank you. Well, I have I have here a tin of it. Uh, I'm fresh out of Dapper Dan and Fop, but I do have fancy Sam's. So if you would care for that, I was only one's one one's lo- one's lottie, sir. One's lottie. Keep remembering, keep forgetting, like what I called the coin. I keep having to look at my notes. It's, it was a Polish gold coin, in, in, in the actual world. Well, but, uh, deal. Just put his, just put his lottie in the slotty there, and, and uh, okay. Well, that should take care of your uh, mutton chops. Oh, I see you have some red mushrooms there. Yeah, we need some uh, clarification on, uh, you know. Which ones are poison and which ones are uh, medicine? Oh yes, common mistake. Common mistake. Now, if you the light-colored mushrooms are poison, and if you were to eat one, you would just trip balls. It would be terrible. All right. Uh, if it's refined and boiled down, it will make a lethal poison. If you eat one, you'll just you'll just have a very very good time or a bad time, depending on your emotional makeup and other circumstances and so forth. And then the dark red mushrooms will create a delicious red medicine. Now, if you would leave those with me, it looks like you have enough there. I could probably make you about uh, about nine doses of the medicine and about three doses of the poison. But that, of course, will take will take me some time. The boiling process is very long. It might be better if I just traded you. If I just traded you for some pre-made potions and poisons I already have. Now, of course, I will point out... These po- this poison here is only for dealing with pests. No assassinations with it. And he winks. <laughs> uh, no slipping it into your annoying spouse's tea or anything like that. Wouldn't dream of it. Right. Well, we could do a trade there. You give me those. You give me these. And then altogether, I would need five zlotties each from each of you. Good lord. Well, it's expensive doing business in Illyria. And how much uh, medicine does that produce altogether? How much will well, you, we you be could, getting? You could each get three doses of medicine. And then also, in addition, Puck will get three doses of poison. Actually, that might be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, and we're, bound, we're bound to get more coin, you know. Once we... Uh, Get to once we drop this poppy off, be on our way. Further's uh, yes, perhaps I can do some fortune telling in an, in a tavern somewhere in town. Yeah, that's one way. And I've heard of these uh, wild lands or whatever. Yeah, the wilderlands. Wilderlands, yeah. uh, I think they're called. And we're, there, we're, that's where the real. Uh, Juicy stuff is, I think. That's what you've heard. That's what you've heard. And uh, 
So I'll assume that uh, since you would like to get a reward probably for bringing the precious baby Poppy, although you might miss her once she's gone, uh, all the way to Illyria, you go ahead and leave the street of the alchemists and keep moving around the Cardwellian Hill and go past the street of the furriers and the street of the butchers. And then uh, that leads, of course, to the base of the full Marillion Hill, where there's the street of the food vendors. Anyone hungry? Anyone hungry? There's all kinds of good-smelling stuff around. And you guys did have some beans, you know, within the last 12 hours, but you might be getting hungry again. Only a half... Only a half slutty. Come get your fermented whale blubber chunks. They're delicious. They're lovely. No, no, that's terrible. Have some jellied lamprey. No, no, have some grub dumplings. Lovely dumplings stuffed with grubs. Each one sounds better than the last to me. <laughs> so well, my wants to... stomach is grumbling something fierce. Well, if you guys would like to spend a half a slutty... Uh, and these guys, they've got, they've got uh, you know, cutters that are just, you know, gold is soft metal. They're just, ting, cut them right in half for you. That's how they make change. And so anyone want to eat? Starving, yes, I will eat. Okay, do you want to get the uh, the jellied lamprey or the grub dumplings or the fermented whale blubber chunks? Um, <laughs> whale blubber chunks sound delicious. Oh, they are, they are. How about the rest of you? Would you enjoy some whale blubber chunks? Ah, whale blubber, no. Never. They're fermented. I'll, I'll take the grilled lamprey. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. And uh, how about... I will have the lamprey as well. Okay. So you guys have had a meal, and that's important to remember for healing purposes, right? So if you've had a good meal and you go to sleep at night, you'll always get back one. We just have to make sure you eat a meal, and you might want to slave your rations. We might seem want to uh, take 24 hours to sleep once we uh, get our business done here. Might not be a bad idea, because that, of course, will heal you of all wounds. And anyway, taking that ring-shaped road after filling your bellies, uh, this is street food, you know, you can just walk and eat it, and... Uh, the street runs around the full Marillion Hill until you find a row of clockmakers' shops. But none of them have a sign of the Midnighter family on them. However, there is a vacant lot in between two other shops that's covered with charred rubble and burnt bricks and heaps of ashes. And as you're looking at it, you hear a voice say, If you're looking for the Midnighters, they're dead. You turn around, there's a member of the Illyrian Guard who just happens to be there. Uh, yes, I, I'm Guardsman Flandry. This is my beat. Their shop burned down last month. It's a no. great shame. And they were they were in it? Yes, they were in it, the poor devils. Uh, you know, we're lucky the neighbors noticed quickly, and we were able to get the water wizard up here in time, so the fire didn't spread. Who knows what causes these things? A stray spark, maybe? Folks, you really be more careful... But don't worry, if you want a clock made, there's plenty of other good clockmakers here. Although, between you and me, the Midnighters were by far the best clockmakers. Oh, no. What are we going to do now? Well, what, what, what exactly is your problem? Well, we didn't come for a clock. No? Um, no, uh, we got this. Well, how much do we want to tell him? Well, uh, we... We clearly need help here. We have a baby. Oh, we yes. We were charged with 
bringing back to the Midnighters oh, here in Illyria. I don't know where the poor chap will go now. Oh, precious little baby. Gucci, gucci, goo. Gucci, gucci, goo. He, he, no, uh, you're doing it wrong. Oh, how do I do it? Oh, let me try. Gucci, gucci, goo, goo, goo. I got to add more syllables. Yes, I see. Well, that's how you do it. That's why I'm Guardsman Flandry and not Nanny Flandry. Yes. Uh, no, I'll tell you, if you've got a baby, uh, I'll tell you what I might do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you feel morally about this. I'd sell the baby to Leopold Gimbel. He's a merchant. Word has it he's been mad to buy a baby, but I think he's out of town, actually, on a trading tour. Uh, I think we came across him earlier. Oh. Yeah. oh we ran into him. He tried to buy a baby off as we wouldn't sell it. Well, that was perhaps for the best. Perhaps you're good folk after all. If, listen, if you really care about that baby, if you really love the baby, well, I would take her to the Temple of the Triacontagon. And they'll take good care of the baby there, and they'll make sure she gets educated. And When she gets of age, they'll give her the choice to become a nun, or they'll try to arrange a good marriage or a good employment situation for her. That's probably the best you could do under the... The circumstances. Of course, the the temple of the Triacontagon is, of course, on the Street of the Temples, which is near the Royal Cor- the Royal Quarter on the Memoricon Hill next to the Spiral Palace. You really can't miss it. No, well, I guess, I mean, where we're going, there's no place for a baby. Yeah, but... No, uh, certainly not. I mean, is, uh... Is being forced into nunnery or, or or some kind of arranged marriage really the kind of thing that I mean that sounds awful I wouldn't want that for myself or well, employment it's better than them making babies stew or something equally as horrifying well that's true yes yeah. yes and of course uh, if marriage is not her interest and they they could find a good employment opportunities for her seamstress they'll teach her a good skill a good folk. Good folk, those sisters of the Triacontagon. Even if they're God, they worship it as strange. Most people don't believe in it. Well, I don't have a fucking clue. Well, I think we should take it to the temple. Well, we can we can at least go there and um, and um, check it out and see if it's you know kind of place they say it is. You know, if everything's up to order, you know, make sure it's not a dump. Oh, oh, it's definitely not a dump, I can tell you that. Uh, you see, they're, uh, they, they, they worship this, you know, all the polyhedral gods, of course, the five perfect polyhedral gods, but uh, there's a few other cults that worship other types of gods. They believe in the Triacontagon, which is a, a theoretical world that has 30 sides, you see. <laughs> so they, they consider it, well, 10 better than, than this world. That and sounds that like it can be. blasphemy to me. Well, blasphemy. One man's blasphemy is another man's way to peace and contentment. Uh, no, it's my. They, they believe somehow it could be accessed mystically in this life through prayer or meditation, and you go there after you die. I'm not quite sure. It's not my beat, but anyway, good luck with that baby, says Guardsman Flandry. Gucci, Gucci, goo, goo, Gucci, Gucci, oh, Gucci, goo, goo, goo. No, no, no. Get out of here now. All right, all right. <sighs> Well, if we can't find someone else who knows how to properly 
chalk baby, then uh, I don't know. I feel bad about leaving the baby in someone else's hands. I think as long as we can, you know, check the place out a little and make sure that they will care for her, their specific belief system is of little concern to us, provided that the baby is well cared for. That's all. All The baby needs love and, and shelter and food. Yeah, well, I did kind of hope that, um, you know, little Poppy would would uh, grow up to be a, a fine clockmaker, like, you know, her family. And now she's going to be some nun or some married off or something. But yeah, we ought to at least check it out. I agree we should at least check it out. Do you know, I've heard that... Uh, just rumors, mind you, but the whole 30-sided polyhedron, not not that strange. I've heard of 5-sided, 7-sided, 14-sided, all sorts of weird cults out there. It's just, they're going up 30, what's next, you know, uh, 100, you know, percentile? Perhaps. Hundreds no. out there. Oh, oh, it's out there. I've seen them. No. I've, I've, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. impossible. That's I just mean, nonsense. It just, you know, it rolls forever. It never stops. Just spins and, and orbits. Everything you can imagine exists. No, I don't imagine that, though. So it doesn't exist to me. Well... We'll see what exists and what doesn't exist throughout the course of the rest of our adventures. But uh, oh. Buck can get you to the Street of the Temples. and uh, uh, I did, yeah. before we head that way, uh, Rufus kind of wanted to look around this uh, burnt <clears throat> remains because he kind of thinks, you know, I don't know, maybe there's something more to it than just an accidental fire. Okay. So maybe there's a clue left or maybe not. Okay. Yeah, I'll well, just, just look around a little bit. Well, sure. You guys could poke around and see if you guys want to try to learn anything about this. Uh, go ahead and make will rolls. Okay. This is your overall mental and personality stat. You need a 10 for any kind of clue discovery. I got a 12. Hey, nice. Mm. Only an eight here. Okay. Just a five. All right. Well, um, you're right to be a little suspicious uh, in a situation like this, but you can find the remains of the chimney and the oven, and it does indeed appear that the fire was probably accidental. You can see they had their firewood stacked just a little too close to the the fire, and it might have just gotten out of hand one day, perhaps during a during a repair of a clock or a making of a clock that they couldn't get away from and definitely just seems to have been a terrible and tragic freak accident. Mm, such a shame. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Poor little Poppy. Mm. Poppy says, even she looks somber even though she doesn't really know what's going on. But you do eventually make it to the Street of Temples and you see, indeed, there's a... You can see the Spiral Palace in the distance and... Uh, and, uh, of course, it is a built in the shape of a spiral. That's where the Emperor Lucy theoretically rules with her council. Uh, but you can see, all oh, there's temples here for each of the perfect polyhedral gods. There's a temple to the Tetrahedron, and 
temple to the cube and a temple to the octahedron and a temple to the dodecahedron. And, of course, the icosahedron, also called Mother Earth because it's the world you live on. And there are really only five perfect solids and five known worlds in the shape of those solids. So those are the only widely accepted gods. But there's also a small temple you pass of the theoretical decahedron and then a fairly large one with this 30-sided shape atop a tall spire. And this obviously must be the temple of the Triacontagon and his doors are, are wide open. I'll assume that you go inside. Yeah. Okay. Well, inside it's cool and dim. It's lit with many, many yellow candles. And beyond this spacious sanctuary that you walk into, you could see an atrium garden with children running and laughing and playing in it. They're all wearing lovely little white smocks. Somewhere you can hear a, a choir singing or practicing in the distant background. And a woman in a gold sequined nun's habit. She almost looks like a, a disco nun. Uh, she approaches you and says, Ooh, I see there you have a child. Have you a foundling that you wish the 30-sided sisters to adopt? We're, we're considering it. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, my. Can I see that baby a little closer? Well, I I am reluctant to let him go, but of of course I, I'll hold her out. So okay, yes, I can see her a little oh better. My. She she was the child of the the Midnighters clockmakers, and such a tragedy. We brought her back to her home only to find it had been destroyed, along with her parents. Well, I'm afraid you have a deeper problem here. Look very close at this child's eyes. Do you see how the pupils are ever so slightly ovoid? Not quite as round as ours? No. Yes, well, believe me, I've seen many babies, and I am greatly learned in the ways of lore, and it would be very problematic for us to take this poor creature, because you see, this is not an entirely human baby at all. You can tell that by the eyes. Oh yes, yes. I've seen this. I've seen this. Well, I've heard of this before. I've not seen it. I've read of it in books. But certainly, she has the appearance of a human. But my theological sense and my familiarity with all kinds of children and the many books I've read tells me that this innocent baby is actually half dragon. <laughs> Preposterous. No, it's not preposterous at all. You see, she will have human form until she reaches puberty. And then I'm afraid she will transform into a dragon. Now, there's no way to know which color of dragon or what special powers she will possess. That will be random at the time. But when she has her first menses, then she will cease to be a human. And her heart will be corrupted and turn to evil like all of dragon kind. And unfortunately, there's only one way to prevent this from happening. There's only one way to prevent it. This baby must be ritually bathed in the blood of a dragon. And only then can she retain her human nature and her soul be set free. But sadly, there are very few dragons left in these lands. In fact, this is what we might call a recessive gene. 
when I say she is half dragon, it is not necessarily that one of her direct parents was a dragon, but at some point in the distant past, one of her ancestors must have been raped by a dragon. Yes, it is very sad. That sounds difficult. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't think... I wouldn't presume to know how one might go about being raped by a dragon. It's certainly not something I need to know that bad. But as I say, there are very... Very few dragons left in these lands, and in fact, the only dragon that I know of, that I can say for certain exists, is the great Lupercalis Fortissimo, who lives on the island of exiles in the Triangular Sea. He's not gone forth from his lair in many years, but in the last generation, he, he flew to the mainland and he destroyed the village of Umbria, and he slew many heroes and ate many virgins. It was terrible, terrible, and today Umbria remains in ruins. But if you truly love this baby, you must sail to the island of exiles and slay Lupercalis Fortissimo and obtain enough of his blood to bathe this baby in. Now we, the thirty-sided sisters, will be honored to care for her in the meantime, for such a journey would be too dangerous for her. But if you do not return, then for the good of Illyria and the wider world, will be forced to turn the child over to the Empress Lucy at the Spiral Palace before the child reaches puberty to be ritually slain by the priests of the Tetrahedron. So, tell me, do you love this child enough to make this quest? I love her. I'll not see this child ritually sacrificed to anyone for any reason. Well... We can't allow that. This all turned rather fucked up pretty quick, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Dragons surprised. going around raping people. Well, what's that? I never have even heard of that. And I've uh, heard of seven, seven-sided polyhedrons, but I've heard of dragons raping people. <laughs> what's all that? That's a mess. It is but, a mess. I bet it would be a mess. <laughs> God. But to save this child, I suppose I could be persuaded. Very well. Well, then you can trust us to take good care of her. And we will keep her until she reaches her th- the, the hour of her first menses. And we, when we, will, we will be forced. And it, was no, it would not be our wish. But we cannot have another dragon appearing smack dab in the heart of Illyria. It would destroy it would destroy the city. Are you sure that all dragons are evil? I mean, maybe she turns into a good dragon. Well, as I say, the color is random. Now, the ancient lore of dragons states that solid-colored dragons are the primary-colored dragons. Blue dragons, your green dragons, your red dragons, your black dragons. These tend to be evil. Now, it is said, on the other side of the world... There are gold dragons, silver dragons, and brass dragons that are good of heart. But you certainly would not want to slay one of those. And um, I'm imagining if, uh, you know, someone was raped by a dragon, they probably weren't a good dragon. So they That's were a very good supposition, my passed, friend. Yes. Passed down yes, the, I, the bad dragon gene. Yes. Generally... Generally, it's only bad dragons that rape rather than good dragons. That's true. That's true. Yes. That's true. Well, I want to see you succeed. So she snaps her fingers and some, 
younger nuns run out and they uh, offer to take the baby. If you, I promise you, she will be. Can we can we see quite some safe. of your other babies and make sure that they're well taken care of? Yes, very well. Come this way, and we will. You can see the nursery. And she leads you out into that atrium where the children are running and playing. And a lot of the children run up and uh, want to talk to you and touch your stuff and blah, blah, blah. See your swords my, my and what? yada, yada. And Ooh. you move through that atrium. And beyond that, there's a room with like dozens and dozens of cribs. And the babies seem very well taken care of. They've got little mobiles hanging over their cribs. And the nurses are doing the rounds with milk bladders. Some of the older ones are sitting in little high chairs eating uh, baby food versions of jellied lamprey and other things they eat in this town. But you feel pretty confident that the 30 sided sisters will take really good care of her, at least, you know, for the next 12 or 13 years. Okay. Well, looks like their kids are doing well here. Don't smell any foul odors, you know, don't see any bed sores or... You know, oh, no, we, we keep them like changed that. quite regularly. Well, we just gotta... We'll come back. We'll come back for you, Poppy. Yep. Yeah, I suppose we should get on our way then. Um, Where are we going again? Some island, yeah? Yes, it's the Island of Exiles. Uh, what you'll want to do is... Uh, Go through uh, the gate that is always open at the base of the Dendrelion Hill, which will lead out into some flat country, and there you will eventually find the sea, where hopefully you can find a waterman who will take you to the Island of Exiles. Uh, but you may want to get some rest first. Yes. I will tell you this. Uh, I would like to see you succeed in your quest. I would, nothing would please me more than to help you bathe Poppy in the blood of Lupercalis Fortissimo so that she can be truly human. And to do that, I have not much to offer you, but I will give you the blessing of the 30-sided God. And so I give you each the sign of the Triacontagon. And she literally just traces it on your head, but it's like invisible. And basically what they'll do in game mechanics, like from, write this down, because from here to the end of the, the adventure, it will automatically succeed at one test. One roll. You can automatically succeed once on one thing. And, uh... Just so we have one, like, one instance of this? Yeah, yeah. The, Each of you of the, has one. Okay. Yeah, for, so from now until the end of all of our Mazeraz adventures. And obviously something you might want to save for something really big, like fighting a dragon. It sounds yeah. like you're going to have to do that. But, it does indeed. But hopefully you'll have a chance to improve yourselves between now and then, because what good would three warriors be against the fearsome dragon, Lupercalis Fortissimo, who destroyed the entire village of Umbria. Perhaps the secret weapon of love and this blessing will give you the edge you need. Yeah. We're gonna need everything we can. Yeah. Alright. Well, I gather you guys wanted to take a full 24 hours of rest to get your, your health full back up. 
It seems like a good idea, and we have plenty yeah. of time, obviously, till, right, till right. Pompey gets old enough to uh, be a problem for, yeah. for these people. Yeah, and so. then once we're done sleeping, we need to go pick up that the potion and the poison. No, he just gave it to you. He, he said oh, it would have taken him a day to oh. make it, so he just traded you the mushrooms and stuff you already had. Oh, that's right. And yeah. Then he, yeah, and then gave you. That way, you didn't have to wait around. But now there are plenty of good inns in town that Puck knows, but he might not really want to stay in any of them. So after asking around, you do find a very comfortable one. It's actually not far from the gate that is always open at the base of the Dendrelion Hill called the Sign of the Falling Star. And uh, there you can get room and board and a bath and get cleaned up for the low, low price of two Zlotties. And you're probably getting close to running out of money again. Be, uh, I'll have one and a half after that. Okay. Well, hopefully that's enough to pay a, a waterman. And we won't role play out the, uh, the time in the, in the tavern. We can assume that maybe you can make one more zloty by telling a fortune that night. Um, okay. And, uh, just to keep things moving, we'll, uh, We'll forego the obligatory tavern scene, which we enjoyed in our first episode anyway. And the next morning, cleaned up with a fresh laundry and without little baby Poppy, which seems a little strange, traveling without her, but you feel confident she's in good hands. You do find the gate that is always open, and it's pretty easy to find because it is always open. It's a, like a really proud declaration by the Empress Lucy that her... Her domain cannot be conquered, and so therefore the great gate never needs to be shut. And leaving in the morning light under the brassy sun as the perfect worlds tumble about in the sky high above you as you see the the tetrahedron and the octahedron, which are both morning worlds that you can see in the sky, you... Lead out. You walk out into some flat country, past a bunch of farms and and well settled lands, and uh, this takes you most of the day. They're quite pleasant. Farmers wave at you and nod. There's a few friendly folk you can stop and talk to, and it's a it's a lovely hike compared to you know the lonely roads and underground highways that you have been on. But by late afternoon, the farms kind of peter out, and you arrive in a region of scrubland with some dry grasses and rocky soil and dwarf trees. And soon you come to a large dune. And you walk up the other side of the dune. You can look down and you see the gentle expanse of the triangular sea. There's a lonely building standing next to a dock. And there's a boat there, a decent-sized boat. It certainly looks seaworthy. And not far to the south is a hill with a ruined lighthouse on it. You can see there's a boy... He's uh, sitting despondently on the prow of the boat. Uh, would you guys like to go talk to him and see if you can't arrange passage? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, you walk down to the building with the dock and the boat, and the boy gets off and he comes over. I told you, my brothers are out looking for the ransom money. Don't come back here to harass us so soon. Uh, excuse me? Well, you're, you're bandits, aren't you? Do I look like a bandit to you? We're heroes. Oh. That's right. The opposite of bandits. Oh, you're heroes. I'm Pablo. And my father is the waterman. But you see, he's been captured by bandits. They've taken to the lighthouse there. 
Ugh. And they're hiding in the ruins of the lighthouse. And they've taken my father captive. My brothers are out trying to raise the ransom money of 500 Zlotties. Hey, you don't have 500 Zlotties, do you? Not yet, no. Not even close. Well, time is running out. If we don't raise the ransom by sundown tomorrow night, they're going to kill him. Uh, just our luck. Well, please, won't you save my father from the lighthouse bandits? Then I'm sure he'd be happy to take you wherever you want to go if it's a passage you're seeking. Well, I guess we don't have much of a choice. There's not any other boatmen around, as a waterman. Oh, no, he's the only waterman around, you see. That's why they're hoping that the folk themselves, the, the farmers, will all get together to raise the ransom. That's why my brothers are out. They're fully aware I think that... We, they know my family must, doesn't have 500. What's that, pretty lady? We must save this poor child's father. Yes. Slaughter these bandits out of hand. Well, I am uh, feeling refreshed. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, we go show these bandits a thing or two. Oh, I do have a, a fresh, uh, fresh vial of poison. So That's that right. would, that would help. Although I was going to use it for the dragon. But, you know, split it, split it up. Perhaps. Yeah, you got three vials of poison. we can get more, yeah. more poison at a later time. Yeah. Also true. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll assume that you guys will go rescue the waterman. From the bandit to the lighthouse, but we will get around to that on the next episode of Goonies World. So, I'm assuming, Lynn, that your bad dragon joke was intentional. Oh yes. Okay, I, I, I was just, I was assuming <laughs> that, but I wasn't sure. So, it, it it struck me as you're like, I think only a bad dragon would rape somebody, and I'm just like, oh my god, it blew my fucking mind. I just, I couldn't stop fucking laughing. (laughs) But if it hadn't been intentional, that would have been even funnier. It would have been even better. Well, we do make lots of jokes on Goonies World, both intentional and unintentional, but you'll have to tune in next week to hear any more of them. (laughs) Hey, everybody. If you like our podcast, don't forget to leave us a good rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. Podchaser, Spotify, or wherever you're able. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Goonies underscore world. And check out our website at GooniesWorldPodcast.com. Email us at GooniesWorldPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.